0: Hey listeners, you know that feeling you get when you discover something amazing and all you want to do is tell everybody that you know about it? Well, that's exactly how I feel about Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed super easy and super fun. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you get to build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, they're unique, and they're recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet Those styles show up to you in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for some new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-use styles, and that's exactly what I did a couple of months ago when Andy and I took a trip to Hawaii, and of course, I wanted to have some fun, beachy, cute clothes. Armoire was perfect for that. I got the most amazing outfits that I got so many compliments on, and the best part, was that when we got home, all I had to do was ship those items back and they didn't have to take up space in my closet unused for a year. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit PCPS. That is armoire.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash PCPS to get up to 50% off your first month, and you'll never have to worry about what to wear again. So try Armoire today.
1: Hey, everybody, a quick message. Today's episode is brought to you by Book of the Month, a monthly book subscription box that helps readers discover new books from up-and-coming authors.
2: The process of choosing your book is so easy and fun. Besides the website and app being really easy to navigate, the smaller but varied monthly selection, which always includes an anticipated new release, by the way, means I'm not overwhelmed with too many choices, and it's truly easy to make a decision. And let's be real, we're all about simplicity right
0: now, aren't we? Oh, Mm -hmm. definitely. (laughs) So, you guys, I was thrilled when I saw that this month's selections included a book I have been anticipating for over a year. I chose The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren. It is rom-com at its finest. Think Pretty Woman meets Succession.
1: I chose Spitting Gold by Carmela Locus about two shady spirit mediums in 19th century Paris. I mean, come on. You (laughs) had me at shady spirit mediums, right? This is a brand new hardcover book, and I'm getting it for less than I could get it anywhere else. And great news,
2: you can get your first book for only $5 using the code PEDALS when you order at bookofthemonth.com. That's P-E-T-A-L-S.
0: You guys, we love Book of the Month, and we know you will too.
1: Are you wondering how the PCPS stays afloat? I'll tell you. The answer is with contributions from listeners like you. We depend on your support to pay for recording services, audio software, transcription fees, website hosting, and the hours and hours of research, writing, editing, and engineering that go into producing each show. If you'd like to help us keep doing this job that we love, you can join our crew of supporters over on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and put Pop Culture Preservation Society in the search bubble, and they'll tell you what to do. You can choose the level of support that's right for you. From our superstar level at $5 a month, all the way up to our bicentennial level. Yes, you guessed it, at $19.76 a month. In exchange, we'll send you even more PCPS content after the episode conversations, video clips, and even invitations to live virtual events with your hosts. Your support is our accounts payable department, doing all the heavy lifting so we can keep our jobs. We love you guys. Thanks for being here today, and enjoy the show. And we played Happy Days all the time. And the most coveted role, of course, was always Fonzie for boys and girls alike. And I'm going to reveal to you guys that some of those Fonzie games were not exactly appropriate. Oh, let's just, let's just say that playing Fonzie was our version of playing Doctor. Hello
3: world, it's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Whole lot of is what we'll be bringing will make
2: you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who know that running in slow motion means on. you are bionic.
0: We believe our Gen X childhood gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall Will and Holly on a routine expedition.
1: And today, we'll be saving the show that inspired our entire generation to shut down their adversaries with a salty sit-on-it. That show is Happy Days.
0: I'm Carolyn.
2: I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Decade, the years between 1974 and 1984, millions of Americans tuned into ABC on Tuesday nights to watch a Milwaukee family's life from the 1950s to 1960s unfold. And I was one of them, front and center. Happy Days for me is one of about three shows that really defined my childhood. Um, Sure, there are countless shows I watched and loved, but only a small handful to the degree that were as meaningful to me as Happy Days in my early childhood. And when I say meaningful, I mean everything from the degree to which I loved it to the importance the entire trajectory of that series had on my little life. Um, did I start watching it in 1974? I'm sure no, I was five. But from about 1976 to 1984, you guys, I was all in. And when Chachi Arcola entered in season five, which was in 1977, my life literally changed. Literally, (laughs) my life literally changed.
0: This is true. And I want to say um the year that your life literally changed when you started watching it was the one year that I did not watch it because, you guys, the 77-78 oh. season was when the Fitzpatricks was on CBS yeah. at the same exact moment. So you were being introduced to Scott and I – was falling in love oh, with the Jimmy conflict. McNichol. The yes. conflict, Carolyn. It was terrible. I had to watch it on a little black and white TV set in my parents' bedroom because everybody else in my family, it was must see TV in the family room. So, but that was the only year that I digressed. Otherwise, I was a staunch mm-hmm. fan.
1: This was not only appointment TV. Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. on Channel 9. It was a shared appointment. I think that was the case for a lot of people. It was Mm -hmm. mostly for my brother and me. And it can be hard for a brother and sister to find things that they are both equally into. So Happy Days was kind of like our meeting of the minds. It was like two adversaries coming together in the spirit of Fonzie. And it was actually the whole neighborhood. All the neighborhood kids came together in the spirit of Fonzie, and we played Happy Days all the time. And the yeah. most coveted role, of course, was always Fonzie for boys and girls alike. And I'm going to reveal to you guys that some of those Fonzie games were not exactly appropriate. Oh, ooh. let's do tell. Just say that playing Fonzie was our version of playing Doctor. Well, oh. <laughs> And did, it was, the Stein, you know, did the Stein girls play? No, this is pre-Stein girls. I think this Stein is is pre girls Stein, Stein girls haven't created yes. that game. And it was like, <laughs> it was nothing out of the ordinary for, you know, body curious mm-hmm. eight-year-olds, but it was still probably something that our parents would have shut down if they had <laughs> found us. Dr. Fonzie, yes, Dr. Fonzie, Dr. I Fonzie, I have this pain right under my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but to keep it clean, you guys, this is the best part, to keep it clean, we would always put a piece of notebook paper between the person who was doing the kissing, which was Fonzie, and whoever or whatever Fonzie was kissing. Yes. So there was never any oh, wait, skin wait, wait, on Wait, 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 I'm contact. sorry. <laughs> Let's back it up. Beep, beep, <laughs> beep. Or whatever Fonzie was kissing. You know, there's <laughs> a lot of places on the body you can kiss. I'm just, and there's a lot for an eight-year-old. To oh, explore. this is fantastic mm-hmm. information. Yeah. yeah, but don't worry.
2: There Whoa. was a piece of notebook paper. Isn't that funny? Everything. I believe, okay. yeah. I, I can totally see that. And I see how that's a good workaround.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. totally clean. Well, I want to also chime in on the impact that this show made because I have a distinct memory and I want to share it with you. The last episode, and we'll talk about this later, how it might not have officially been the last, but the episode where um, Joni and Chachi Get Married was billed Mm -hmm. as the series finale and it aired the night, uh, it was my freshman year of college, and I was studying for a calculus test the next day. And I did not do well in calculus, let's say. So I gave myself this reprieve when this ep- this episode was going to air. I got to break from studying and watch the episode. And you guys, to this day, I feel like this was the moment I can say I went from being a child to that threshold of not being a child anymore. I bawled so hard oh during God. that. And meanwhile, I hadn't watched it like much in the 80s, but I realized this was the ending of something that had seen me through from 1974 mm-hmm. until present day, and it was over. It was ending. Wow! Much yeah. like my, that part of my life was ending, and I, to this day, if someone asks me when when do you feel like you grew up, like I would tell tell you that memory. <laughs> Is so um, distinct and in my Chachi mind. Know. You know? <laughs> when Joni and
1: Chachi got married, I know when Joni and Chachi got married.
0: <laughs> I'd have to give it a little backstory,
2: obviously, but yes, it was when Joni and Chachi got married, <laughs> and that's interesting because we've talked about how we feel like Little House on the Prairie kind of mm-hmm. did. We grew up with Little House right. on the Prairie too, that's but the other one, yet isn't well, and that's one of my other handful of shows that's the most impactful show of my early childhood. Of course, mm-hmm. those shows changed as I got older. You know, we can throw in Family Ties, we can throw in Thirty Something, but for the 70s its little house on the prairie its happy days and yeah. because they did see us through our childhood they um, were there the whole
1: time mm-hmm. yeah
2: <laughs> that's interesting well yeah. you guys i have a whole bunch of stuff um Written down that I'm supposed to start reading now. But can I just say how giddy I am to be chatting about this <laughs> show with you guys? You've
1: been waiting for I've this. I've been so waiting long. for this. Mm-hmm.
2: And I feel like this is what the PCPS is all about, really. It's sharing these important pieces of our childhoods with each other and with all of our friends listening. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I just feel like I'm so excited right now. I almost have like a nervous tummy to be like, <laughs> to be talking about this show and these people, these characters that were so important to us. Okay. Well, let's get to it. So, Happy Days, one of the most successful and iconic series of the 1970s, and one that I'd argue almost everyone loved. And if you didn't, you are a monster. Um, (laughs) It aired on ABC from January 1974 to July 1984, with a total of 255 episodes. I want to give you, though, some interesting background about the show before we really dive into the meat. Um, In late 1971, Michael Eisner... Um, who at the time was head of production at Paramount. And you guys, we are learning that that guy had his finger on the pulse of everything. Like, he's Hollywood. He's before time, I think existed. Before dinosaurs, Michael Eisner was there running the show. Um, (laughs) but he, along with Gary Marshall, created a pilot called New Family in Town, starring Ron Howard, Marion Ross, Anson Williams as their normal characters, Harold Gould as Howard, Rick Carrot as Chuck, and Susan Neher as Joni, But the network rejected it for one reason or another, and there are reasons if you guys want to do the research, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> so Gary Marshall revised it as a short segment for Love American Style. I love that. And, it's, and the little segment was originally called Love and the Television Set, but was later retitled To Love and the Happy Days, with that cast, which introduced the world to the Cunninghams and Potsy. Um, <laughs> and it's a really great little segment from Love American Style, easily found on YouTube. Listeners, go watch it. It's very cute. Like we talked about in our 1976 episode, in the early 70s, there was a huge nostalgic interest in the 1950s, right? Everyone needed a bomb following Vietnam and Watergate. Greece opens on Broadway in 1971 to huge accolades. And then Ron Howard stars in American Graffiti in 1973, which became one of the top-grossing films that year. And suddenly, ABC is like, uh, we'll take another <laughs> look at that little 50s show. Um, but they wanted some changes. So Gary Marshall and crew did some character additions, Fonzie being one of them. They recast a few parts, Howard, um, Joni, Chuck, <laughs> And it became a series. So Happy Days then, it was initially a moderate success, but the ratings began to fall during its second season. So Gary Marshall had to retool it a little bit. Um, and the new format emphasized broader comedy and spotlighted Fonzie, who was previously a minor character. And if you go back and watch season one of Happy Days, it's not quite the same. It feels it doesn't totally have the different. same yeah. feel. Yeah. Happy Days became the number one program in television in 1976, the 1976-1977 television um, season. So Happy Days might be easily identified for its theme song by Bill Haley and his Comets, but it was totally dependent on its cast for its success. And what a cast. I mean, this cast gives true meaning to the term ensemble don't you guys Mm -hmm. think it's
1: true oh without
2: a doubt yes Mm -hmm. so let's go down the roster of the ogs and we're going to start with arthur herbert fonzarelli
1: because i'm the fons i didn't know his middle name was herbert the (laughs) fons yes i had had no no idea
2: um played um by henry winkler aka the nicest man in hollywood yeah it's true um henry come on our podcast um, we're the nicest podcasters in <laughs> Minnesota. In podcast land. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Henry Winkler had studied theater at both Emerson College and Yale School of Drama um, and appeared in two independent films. And he landed a small role on the Mary Tyler Moore Show before auditioning and getting the part of Fonzie. And fun fact, Mickey Dolans also auditioned and was in the running to play the Fonz. That would have worked for what they
1: thought Fonzie was supposed to be in the beginning. But not for what Fonzie became. No. Right? Like, in the beginning, Fonzie was cast as, like, a cautionary tale to Richie. Like, this is what Richie could become if he doesn't make good choices. But then very soon, it turned out that the fans really loved the ne'er-do-well and the guy who was from the other side of the tracks. And he was sort of a lovable guy. I'm not sure Mickey Dolans would have brought that to the role because Arthur Fonzarelli... Became sort of a
0: soft puppy, even though he was a cool dude. Yeah, and Mickey comes with not um, not baggage, but he we know him as a, as a monkey. So yes, I don't know. It Would have been he hard to have kind of, that. kind of yeah. goofy. Yeah, not that yeah. kind of monkey. But um, I know, but you
2: couldn't. Could you have seen him as not a monkey? I don't know.
1: I don't think so. No, I don't I think, well, think you could. It was too close. I mean, it was only yeah. what seven years or something from when he was a monkey. Right. Well, and I'll just say, and not. In my, well, in, in my opinion,
2: Mickey Dolenz wasn't very cute, so. Um, Linda disagrees. <laughs> Linda really thought he was adorable.
0: Well, I had read when um, Henry Winkler auditioned, um, he's dyslexic. I don't know if you guys knew that. And mm-hmm. so he didn't um, memorize this. You know, they gave him the script, but mm-hmm. he couldn't really read it right there. So he um, kind of made up what he thought Fonzie would say and kind of brought the essence of what Fonzie mm-hmm. would bring to or what Henry would bring to the character of Fonzie and when they asked him to read from the script like can you say some of the lines and he just said no i w- i just want you all to feel the essence of oh, Fonzie geez. this is what That's Fonzie awesome. would be like how can you
1: imagine how would somebody learn lines if you had that much difficulty reading and yet you hear about i would say there's a very high percentage of people in the acting community with dyslexia mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, I recently heard Henry Winkler on a podcast, and you know he's written a bunch of children's books, mm-hmm. like a bunch. And since he's dyslexic, there is a special font mm-hmm. for, and it's really a cool font to to see um, for um, people with um, dyslexia. And his books are printed. In that font. So for children, to help children be able to read his books. Otherwise, you have to get the
1: ebook and like switch the font. Yeah. So they're actually printed that way.
2: Yeah. No, some of his are printed that way. I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know if all of them, but anyway. Um, So Fonzie, like I said earlier, he was originally written as a secondary character, but soon became so popular that he became... A lead and shared top billing with Ron Howard. And we all grew to love Fonzie for so much more than Mm -hmm. his coolness and cuteness. I mean, Fonzie was the cool orphan with the heart of gold, (laughs) and he had so much love and respect of family because he never had one, Um, Mm -hmm. and most especially the Cunninghams. And let's not forget, Fonzie was also magical. He could pound his fist (laughs) on a jukebox and it started playing. He could snap his fingers and girls would instantly appear. Um, You guys, Fonzie is only one of two characters to be in all
1: 255 episodes. Do you know who the other one is? Well, I know it's not the obvious. I do know, actually. Oh, good. the only reason that I know know. is because I've been researching it all (laughs) Yeah, That's right. So, of course, I would have said Richie. Of course, I would have said Richie. But that's not the truth. Did you not watch it at the end when Richie left? (laughs) No, I was in high school. So I was not watching. I really wasn't watching TV.
2: Yeah, right. I wouldn't have known would... the answer to that offhand, though. I think I would have said Marion, I think. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, oh, it's not I thought Marian. it was Marion. It's Howard. Oh,
2: no, it's Howard Cunningham. So, um, anyway, I think it's safe to say we all give Fonzie two big
0: thumbs up, right, everyone? Really fast, I want to insert a really fun fact while we're talking about Fonzie because yeah. um, he, did you know that he was offered the role of Danny Zuko in the movie Grease? In the movie? When in he the was on movie. Happy Days? When he was on Happy Days, oh,
1: and that, have been he, that doesn't using, work for me.
0: Yes, I know. Again, uh-huh. probably why Mickey Dolan's wouldn't have worked for Fonzie because yes. we come to thinking of that role as Fonzie, and Danny Zuko was no Fonzie. So, and plus he's really right. short. Like someone said, he would have come up to like Olivia Newton-John's nipples or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> it'd <be> that short.
1: <laughs> it would have just been Fonzie. Like, she how would called differentiate Dr. Fonzie then? One. <laughs> get your notebook paper out. Right. Um, How do you differentiate one '50s greaser from another '50s greaser?
2: Right. No, I would have been confused. And also, let's throw it back to our Saturday Night Fever episodes. Didn't? Wasn't there something about right after Saturday Night Fever? He had like a three-picture deal, John Travolta, and they were like, "We want him for Grease." So then, were they like going back behind his back and being like, "Well, maybe we'll get Henry Winkler?" Well, could have been prior. It
1: could have been
0: prior, Mm -hmm. right? Because he said um, in an interview. Yeah. Henry, um, Henry Winkler was uh, interviewed by AARP magazine. You gotta love it. And he said he didn't, um, he didn't want to be typecast. But then he's like, but I'm typecast already. So I went home and had an orange juice. Travolta, Travolta went home and bought a plane. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's So it seems like he might regret it a little bit, which seems odd to me. I think he's doing okay. He's doing just fine. Oh, I think he's doing just fine. Um, Well, we obviously know that Henry um, became a big star as Fonzie on Happy Days. But the other big star was Ron Howard as Richie Cunningham. Now, I want you to know that Richard Cunningham (laughs) – I just said that. I want you to know that Ron Howard was my very first TV friend. Okay, you guys, he was the little boy that I wanted to go fishing with (laughs) um, from the Andy Griffith show. So he played Opie Taylor on Andy Griffith, which is how most of us knew Ronnie Howard. I just wanted to be his friend. So I think when we originally talked about who was our very first crush, I might have said him, but not like romantic crush. It was, he looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, he likes to go fishing. uh, My mom said the very first time I ever cried watching a television show was an episode of The Andy Griffith Show. And Opie had a pet bird, and the pet bird died. And (laughs) she came into the room, and I had these tears coming down my face. And I had to be no older than, like, five. And she asked me what was wrong. And I – yes. And I was like, Opie's bird died. And – So he must have been such a great actor even back then that I felt his sadness, and I, too, was sad at the death of the bird.
2: Oh, he's so cute. He was
0: so cute. He really was so cute. So cute. cute. And so, yes, so we know him as this child actor. Um, He was in – music man he was in some other movies he oh, had yeah, bit music part.
1: man i forgot um, about that
0: can i
2: tell you something really quick guys there's an episode where the cunninghams are coming out of a theater having just watched the music man and mrs c says that the little boy in the movie looks just like richie um and mr c says that she's just being silly um but however as we know ron howard did play young winthrop peru in the film when he was just eight years old so that's kind well, of a fun little story they
0: threw in it's there it's coming yeah. down the street mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, there are a few Easter eggs that they have um, th- sprinkled throughout Happy Days. But um, let's think about Richie. Ron Howard played Richie from 1974 to 1980. Richie was the middle child of Howard and Marion Cunningham and brother to Joni and the elusive Chuck. The elusive He's the Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's the quintessential example of the all American 1950s teenager. And, you know, with his red hair and his freckles, he did. Bear more than a passing resemblance to Howdy Doody, and again a nod <laughs> to a little Easter egg as um, they note that in when they're watching the Howdy Doody show that oh he looks a lot like you Richie, um, and he <laughs> really that is one was of my th- favorite
1: episodes by the way is when Richie enters the Howdy Doody contest the Howdy Doody <laughs> Little Light contest. Yep. My brother and I were rolling on the floor because of course all the other contestants are ten. And then there's Richie. <laughs> right. That's right. And
2: Richie's—he's like, even when he's a teenager like that, he's always just so earnest, right? So He's earnest. always just yes. so, yes. Like, yes. like, serious and 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 just everything just is going to
1: matter, right? And I don't I remember really, the big I, argument was that they were, like, should we draw the lines <laughs> from his lips down his jaw so he looks like a ventriloquist yes. dummy? And he's like, no, you would have won if you oh. had the lines drawn on your face.
0: I have two funny things to say about that. One is, well, this one isn't really funny, but this is another example of how my parents were so excited about this episode. Cause they loved the Howdy Doody show. I yes, mean, they, they talked too. about the Howdy Doody oh, show yes, all the time to funny. us and mm-hmm. they'd have us watch reruns if it was ever on. So they loved that part of it. And a little aside, my mom, the other day, I was telling her I thought I saw a new wrinkle, and she said, "Oh, that's a marionette line." And I said, "Oh," and she said, "Those wrinkles that come right down here are called marionette <gasps> oh, no. lines." So I'm pointing to those I can't lines. unsee We're gonna it. We're going to call sinners. them howdy doody yep. lines now. Yes, that I can't. sounds howdy happier now, Carolyn. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember whenever um, Richie was feeling lucky, uh, especially with the girls? What did he do? Do you guys remember? He sang a little oh. song.
2: Yeah, it was an FM.
1: Oh, that's right, blueberry. blueberry. Well,
2: listeners, real quick, just um, I was re-listening to one of our episodes today. I just have to point something <laughs> out. When we all sing on this um, podcast, we actually sound we sing together.
1: But for we some reason, the awesome. way we
2: record, we and we sound awesome. <laughs> we sound so good, <laughs> but we re- we record remotely, so we're all in our own homes. So. In the process, it does something and it makes us all like off. So <laughs> when the podcast episode comes out, it sounds like one or two of us are like a beat behind. But just so you know, when we sing that right now, it was like in perfect three-part harmony. It was a round. Oh, yes. We were just doing a round of <laughs> the very We're recording it next mm-hmm. week. It'll right. be available
0: oh. soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every once in a while, Richie would be perturbed. And we knew he was perturbed because he would address his friends, or occasionally Fonzie, once his dad. With this term, do you remember what he'd call people when he was like, oh, you know, God, listen up? Yeah. And the one time he addressed his father as Bucko, he immediately apologized. He knew yeah. he had stepped out of line <laughs> That's so by mean. addressing <laughs> Howard as Bucko. I think I'm a female Richie. I've just decided. <laughs> yeah, you might be. You might be. Um, so Ron Howard actually decides to leave the show in 1980 to pursue his directing career. Thank goodness he did. He brought us yeah, some no wonderful <laughs> films. And um in the storyline, his character goes off to college at UW Milwaukee and then does a stint in the army, where he was stationed in Greenland. And while he's there, he marries his longtime girlfriend, Lori Beth, and later they have a son, Richie Jr., and he actually pops back in the show. Um, Richie does for a couple of um episodes now and then, including Joni loves Ch- or Joni and Chachi getting married. So Richie had a couple of good friends, one of them being Potsy. Mm-hmm. So I'm. It's my job to tell you about Potsy now.
1: But so I have my job is to do about two characters, Mr. C and Potsy, but I'm going to shortchange Mr. C so I can spend all my time on Potsy. <laughs> Let's just say Mr. C played by Tom Bosley, yep. Howard Cunningham played by Tom Bosley. He was extremely prolific in TV prior to Happy Days, but he's far and away best known as Howard Cunningham, America's dad, owner of Cunningham Hardware. Is that what it's called? Cunning. That doesn't sound right. Cunningham Hardware? Anyway, he owned a hardware store yep. and he went on to be the spokesperson for Glad Sandwich Bags... <laughs> I'm sure you all remember, and ultimately he became the male Angela Lansbury. He was um he co-starred on murder she wrote as the sheriff of Cabot Cove. and then he gets his own murder show called The Father Dowling Mysteries, which essentially is murder he wrote. So Warren Potsy Weber, on the other hand, played by Anson Williams has a super interesting story, which I did not expect. Oh, I'm excited. I know. Potsy, he started out as Richie's savvier, more worldly friend. Uh But by the third season, they sort of emphasized his more dim-witted side. And then um, they start using the word Potsy as a put-down. What a Potsy. Don't be a Potsy. Okay, so let's start with Anson William's name. His given name is Anson William Heimlich. Yes. Like the maneuver? That Heimlich. Yes. The Heimlich maneuver. His cousin or uncle, depending on who you trust, is the person who invented the Heimlich maneuver.
0: <laughs> wow. Do you think
2: there's money in that? You know how if you say like his <laughs> I don't cousin so. or whatever is the person yeah. who invented the, you know, engine. <laughs> Well, you're like, damn! They have a lot of family money. If you invent a maneuver, it's oh, not a you, widget. Even you can't if it's sell a life saving maneuver.
1: Do you, you can't think sell there's it. money in that? <laughs> there's no, there's no product with a Heimlich maneuver. It's, it's just your hands out. and staying it's alive. Oh take. no, that's
0: not. Yes, that's, no, no, that's CPR. <laughs> that's CPR. Yes. Never mind. But you Don't get, get to live kids. knowing that people are alive, You've saved lives because of your family. That's worth way more than money. That's priceless.
1: And Neither. your name lives on forever. <laughs> Nobody doesn't
2: know ever. the name Heimlich. No, because you're also a giant fat caterpillar <laughs> in the great Disney movie, Bugs Life. Right. I had no idea. Heimlich is one of the best characters in Bugs Life, actually.
1: Okay, so okay. I thought Anson Williams was a singer first. And he was like, hey, you guys, I'm a singer. Will you let me sing on the show? Come on, because I'm a singer. No. No. He was not a singer. He was watching the rise of David Cassidy. And he was like, hmm, maybe maybe I could do that. So he said, and this is a quote, this is what he said, I can sing, sort of. I just need to convince Gary Marshall to put me in a band on the show, which he did. And then Anson Williams just waited to become the next David Cassidy, which didn't exactly work out that way. Well, that voice was not... Yes. No, no. It, it was from, like
2: Jim Neighbors'
0: voice.
2: It was Jim Neighbors' voice. Yes, I did not care
1: for that very, voice. <laughs> <Yes>. You're 16, <laughs> and
2: that's yeah. why you just identified me. it, Carolyn,
1: because it was Jim Neighbors. It was not. <laughs> I think I love you but at wh- all. No, it was a
2: shock when that voice came out of yes. his mouth.
1: I didn't care for it. Sorry, oh, I will no. tell
2: you that until Chachi walked in, you know, seasons one through four. I had a huge crush on Potsy. Well, you just
1: didn't have that many people to choose from, right? <laughs> it was Ralph Malf or it was Potsy. You're going to choose Potsy, right? Which I did too. And and the
2: only case. thing was kind of – I thought that was kind of cool. But I was I was yeah. never like, oh, yeah. I want to have an album of his.
1: No, and he <laughs> did release an album and he oh, had sure. a hit. It was like number 99 on the top 100 or something like that. And I don't even know what the name of it was. No disrespect, Anson Williams. But David Cassidy you know, had some special sauce. You just can't replicate yeah. that. You can't be right. like, I'm going to do that too. Um, <laughs> he didn't do too much acting after Happy Days, except to reprise the role of Potsy in various specials and reunions and stuff like that, thanks to his friend Ron Howard, who said, Dude, go behind the camera. And so he became a director for shows like Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, Sabrina really? the Teenage Witch, Baywatch. The list is long. I didn't you guys. know that. Well, I'm it happy is for Anson. I know. He did great. But (laughs) even more. It gets (laughs) weird, you guys. But there's more. There's more. Most interestingly, he became kind of a serial entrepreneur, making and marketing all sorts of weird products, like Alert Drops, which is an all-natural spray to help drowsy drivers stay awake, which he actually developed with the help of Mr. That's just a water bottle
2: with a spray. That's just like a spray <laughs> bottle with water No, it in has.
1: It. He d- explains the, all the science behind it. It has to do with ascorbic acid and some nerve that's in the bottom of your tongue. I'm not even kidding. Like, he and Heimlich yeah. got together and like, let's do this. In the 80s, he opened a chain of diners with Al Molinero, And Aww. the diner was called Big Al's. Cute. I know. How, it cute? But obviously, it didn't take off, did it? Because we, we don't have one in every didn't city. Didn't take yeah. off. No. And then he broke into the beauty business with a line Naturally. of cosmetics that were was used on the like professional cosmetics that is used on TV sets. Well, um Potsie's, um sidekick
2: was um Ralph Mouth. Um I just can't say it without laughing. <laughs> I know. And he was played by Donny Most and he was the show's clown and practical jokester, but most of his jokes weren't really funny and no one laughed. Mm-mm. But yet he still
1: always say, you guys remember his catchphrase? Oh yeah. And once like, I didn't I it's somebody else say it because then when, no, it's, it, when I heard I'll it, I, it. Like, I like, ugh, I've ugh. still got it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, when Don, did you have it at all? You didn't even have it. <laughs> I, um,
2: so Ralph Malf appeared up until season eight when he went to college after his stint in the army, and then he made a guest appearance in the final season in a guest role, but he is not in the finale in huh. Joni and Chachi's Wedding. Oh. Um, do you know the other OG character who is not in the finale? Oh, no, it's no. Patsy. And I'll just say it: Ralph Malf was my least favorite
0: character. On Happy Days. I'm with you. Yeah, I he know. annoyed me. And didn't he mm. just give you Danny Bonaduce vibes? Totally. I mean, that's who I yes. always thought he yes. was like trying to be, or they were casting him as the redhead, kind of annoying. Well, let's talk about Mom, Missus Cunningham, mm-hmm. or Missus C, as she was often referred to by Richie's friends. Marion Cunningham was played by Marion Ross. And you guys, I had no idea until yesterday or last night when I was cramming to get my research done for today <laughs> that she has such ties to Minnesota. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, you guys. I so, did not know that. She was born in Watertown, Minnesota, which a month ago I wouldn't have known where that was, but just so happened I drove through Watertown there a Mayor. couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, so she was born in Watertown, Minnesota. She moved to a couple places um, throughout the state, and she took classes at the MacPhail School of Music and Drama. And um, prior to moving to Minneapolis, she lived for a long time in Albert Lee, where there is, current day, the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center. Marion Cunningham, uh, she was the stereotypical housewife of that era, cooking and cleaning and keeping that family in order. But there were times that she was distressed. She um, didn't always like that role. And she often showed us that she had ambitions of her own, like the episode where she got a job as a waitress at the drive-in. I could always tell, though, that she was smarter than she would let on. She often had these passive-aggressive lines showing that side of her. And I just loved those moments, often happening with mm-hmm. um, Howard as the butt of her jokes. Um <laughs> You might recall she was the only character allowed to call Fonzie by his first name, Arthur, and she Arthur. served as like a mother figure to him. Mm-hmm.
1: And I will say that I took I took from her, this was probably one of the first times in society or culture or wherever where you had Richie the good boy and the Fonz who was supposed to be the bad boy, but Marianne Ross doesn't care and she takes him in. And I just remember thinking how, how, not judgy she was because in my mind, a mother would be like shaking her finger like, no, no, no. And don't be like him, which I think is how the show started out. So maybe Marion Ross had something to do with, no, I'm going to take him under my wing. He's my Mm -hmm. child too.
2: Yes. And I I love Marion so much. She was the quintessential 50s housewife and stuff. But didn't you guys also always get that she was stronger than that. Like, I never felt like she was really submer- submissive to – I it' oh, said right. submersive. She was yeah. – I, <laughs> I never thought she was underwater. Um, I never really got that that whole – she had to be, like, submissive to Howard, even though, yes, she was always doing things for him and everything. You also got that that Mrs. C could stand on her own two feet. And I felt like Howard respected her role, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was mm-hmm. that real, you know, Ozzy and Harriet type thing. I felt like it was a little bit more. They stood on equal ground a little bit more, even well, though they, they did still have those rules. very defined gender rules. Yeah, they roles were just playing
1: by way. the rules, but they weren't, they were just doing what society was telling them to do, but they weren't totally invested in it. And you mm-hmm. would never get a bigger laugh or a bigger cheer than if Marion Ross said, Sit on it, Howard. Oh, so great, yeah. I mean, the place <laughs> right. would just yes. erupt. Right? right, because they would allow her, the
2: writers, that was yeah. so brilliant of the writers to allow her to say that because really in the 50s, I'm not sure, you know, the TV shows that were on in the 50s, they certainly wouldn't have gotten away with oh, that. Oh, hell no. But yeah. here we have a show about people in the 50s where they're showing, she can say that. So mm-hmm. I loved that. Um, Okay, so that brings us to Joni. And oh, man, do I have conflicting feelings about Joni. I know.
1: I'm totally with you on that.
2: (laughs) So originally, I was all about Joni. You guys know how I feel about the little sisters in shows. Like, I always identify with them, and they end up being my favorite. And at the beginning, I loved Joni. She was cute and sassy and funny, and I loved how she was kind of everyone's little sister. Um, I always thought it was cute. She was always getting sent up to her room for being so nosy or being in everybody's business. And she was cute. Remember in season 1, she always had Mickey Mouse ears on. Do mm-hmm. you guys remember that, <laughs> Joni?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but then Chachi arrived and slowly oh. <laughs> Joni started to become my mortal enemy. <laughs> Everything she did or said bugged me to no end. Um, she also just became annoying. I felt like as the years I agree. as she uh, got yeah. older, she just bugged me. Even and this could this was even maybe even before Chachi. But
1: um so' it Moran. to child actors a lot, right? They yeah. start out really cute and they have sort of a real instinct about how to d- deliver their lines and It's once they grow up enough that they start to act that it all falls apart. I feel like, like no, yeah, no, no, yeah. Don't yeah. Act. stop now stop she
2: just she wasn't that good, and she just mm-hmm. she just, and sadly. Her difficult personal life post-Happy Days isn't really news to most of us. She suffered from depression, home foreclosures. Another time, she was evicted from her trailer home due to excessive partying. She died in April of 2017 in Indiana from throat cancer, which she'd just been diagnosed with about six months prior. Wow. Um, No illegal narcotics were found in her body or in her home. I feel like there's kind of a myth that she died of like a drug overdose or something mm-hmm. like that, but her husband was... Like very emphatic. In fact, he wrote like this big open letter that he had Scott Bayo read about the doctors, didn't tell us how serious it was. We would have gotten more, you know, oh. aggressive treatment, blah blah blah. I don't know. Hmm. Um it's just I don't sad. think we we'll know. But it's it's just sad. It's very sad. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you think of a lot of these stars that we've talked about. Um Uh, You know, after their um, heyday as the child star, they just had some really hard times and Hollywood just wasn't there for those Mm -hmm. kids. Okay, so while this group
2: of OG characters are certainly memorable, there are other characters who came along as the seasons progressed that are worth mentioning. One in particular. So here are just a few others. And yes, listeners, we know there are others. We, we just don't have time to mention all of them. So if you want to let us know who your favorites are that we are neglecting to mention, just shoot us a comment on our Instagram post or send us a lovely email. There's so many. There's so many. We only have three and a half hours, guys. Um, okay. So we're going to start with Mitsumu, Mit, Mitsumu Takahashi played by Pat Morita. You guys might know him as Arnold. Um, he was the owner of Arnold's Drive-In, but only in seasons one through three. And then he returns after Al gets married in the final seasons. But we love, love, love Arnold, right? Arnold. In seasons um, one yes. through three. Um, of course, we then you know, know that Arnold becomes our beloved Mr. Miyagi in 1984 and the mm-hmm. Karate Kid. But I don't remember this, but you guys, I think this is so great. So like I just said, his name is not Arnold. It's Mitsumo. But when he bought Arnold's, people thought it was named after him. And since it was too expensive to get all the letters and Takahashi (laughs) to rename it, he just went with Arnold.
1: Is that ever explained on the show or is that just backstory? I think think it
2: is. I think it's in, well, that's a good point. I'd have to watch every episode of season one to see if it's explained. Um, But I thought that was just, even if that's just a backstory someone made up, I'm going to stick with mm-hmm. it. I think it's That really seems funny.
1: like a good historical um, hobby to have. Yeah. But like when we're done recording, I'm going to go watch season one of Happy Days. Let's find yeah. the origin of all of these things. Yeah. Okay. So then after Arnold leaves, um, along comes Al Del
2: Vecchio, played by Al Molinaro. Molinaro? Molinaro.
1: Potato? I would, potato. Will, I'm only going to tell you what I say, but that has nothing to do with nothing. I'm going to say Molinaro. From, okay. And I, I From, would say Molinaro, too. Or no, that's kind of a No, you guys I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> marinara, marinara <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> paranormal
2: is it gala or gala okay um from seasons four to nine because you know um like i just said arnold got married and left so al um al was the best though you guys remember how he'd always go yep 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 yep, 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 yep. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> when he was disappointed he al was kind of, like bugged me i don't know why
2: Oh, I, I love him. He was kind reason. of a surrogate family to many of them, and mm-hmm. he becomes actual family to Fonzie and Chachi when he marries Chachi's mother, there Louisa, in the later seasons. That's right. Yes, which brings us to Charles Arcola, or Chachi. Fonzie's young cousin, played by a very cute Scott Bayo, arrives in season five in 1977, and little Michelle's world went from black and white to technicolor. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time for the PCPS Bayo disclaimer. We here at the PCPS do not condone nor support current day Scott Bayo and his beliefs, but remain loyal to our feelings of the late 70s, early 80s version of Scott Bayo, particularly Chachi Arcola, especially Michelle, who truly believed she would marry him and is ever so thankful she did not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Chachi was quickly made a regular character after receiving over 5,000 fan letters one week and he became Fonzie's sidekick. And then later he was just kind of one of the boys when he matured and grew up and got muscles. Um, and he looked up to Fonzie like an older brother. It was actually a really sweet
1: it was um, sweet. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Fonzie
2: kind of treated him like a younger brother, but also kind of a father figure at times. Um, Chachi's catchphrase wah, 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 <laughs> quickly caught on. So as we know, Chachi immediately becomes enraptured by Joni, but she just thinks of him as a little kid. She calls him shrimp, drip. Mm-hmm. Um, But you guys, in season five, when he comes on, he is a lot smaller than Joni. He's teeny. Yes. I never got He looks that. like he's about three years younger than she is. Yeah. But when Bayo reached puberty and they got to high school and started to date, Thus begins the whole Joni loves Chachi years. Mm -hmm. Um, In season nine, they leave for Chicago to try to make it as vocalists. Um, (laughs) Carolyn, please insert (laughs) laughter here. Um, (laughs) But they return- Just reading that
1: line is so funny.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But they return in the final season to break up and then to reunite and get married, which is the, air quotes, final episode of the series. And you guys know, and listeners know, I don't remember much about my childhood. (laughs) But that wedding is burned into my brain. It impacted me. It was as if it was my own wedding. Oh, my god! For years, Gosh. I was going to have my husband say for his vows, he was just going to have to oh recite the oh. Elvis Presley song. Oh he wasn't going to be able to say anything else, and that was going to be like our first dance song. Oh. But as we've said in this um podcast many times. And as listeners know, I will always, always, my heart will always be true to Chachi Arcola, no matter (laughs) what I think of Scott Bayo today. They're two different people.
0: You know what I think is crazy is that exact moment when you are impacted by that wedding and thinking you're going to be using some of the Mm -hmm. music in your own wedding. And I'm having this big emotional moment at the same exact time Halfway across the country for totally different reasons. But we both – this is a um, touchstone for both of us in our growing That's up. So much funny. so. And it's as stupid as vow
2: there ever could be. <laughs> but in my little 1984 – I mean, I was a freshman. I was a, I was in eighth grade. So mm-hmm. I was like – I mean, I had hearts for eyes watching that, you know. That's all I have to say about Chachi. Oh, okay. <laughs> Until later. What well,
0: I never could get past – Joni seeming like his big sister, like I thought that I was almost yeah. like yeah the weirdest relationship and marriage and all of that. I never well, could I'll buy it. I'll tell
2: you why. One reason, and I'm not, you know, I'm really gonna try not to be um, hyper like critical of someone's appearance because I I don't like that and I do not condone that. But because it's Joni Cunningham who was my mortal enemy, I feel okay <laughs> and I feel like this is a safe space. But I feel like it's because her hairdo, she looked matronly. She always looked like a mom. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's mm-hmm. just say she had this really curly hair. I'm not going to say they needed to straighten it or anything. Could they have come up with a more attractive style for
1: it? I say yes. <laughs> well, and I think they um, were trying to do like some sort of mullet thing. You know, when they stop being 50s, even though they're supposed mm-hmm. to be in the 50s, but they're really in the 80s. So then they start to look at the 80s, but it's not really working. So then it just looks like a poodle head. Well, they do that with Scott
2: Bayo too, because the very yes. last seasons mm-hmm. he has that mullet that was very popular in yep. the early 80s. Not but in the early we're 60s. We're supposed to
1: remember this is supposed to be like 1960. <laughs> right. And that always bugged me. That yeah. bugged me. It's so yeah. funny you bring up her hair because her, her hair bothered me too. Okay,
2: so let's keep going. Let's talk about Jenny Piccolo. That's Joni's boy crazy best friend played I by Kathy Silvers from 1980 to 1983 when she became a regular character. Um, although Joni, Jenny Piccolo is mentioned a lot in All early episodes. Joni's always asking go, to go to Jenny Piccolo's house or she's blaming Jenny Piccolo for someone or for something or Howard and Marion are blaming Jenny Piccolo or for <laughs> Forbidding
1: her to go to Jenny Piccolo's house. I think I think Jenny Piccolo was just a name that they thought it was a funny name. They're like, we need a name for Joni to talk to him, but Let's do this. Uh, Jenny Piccolo. I think you're half right
2: because what happened is in 1980 – so she's on um, like from 80 to 83 just kind of um, as maybe a guest appearance. She becomes a regular um, – in 1983, along with, and I'm just going off um, the top of my head here, I don't have any of this written down, but it's like Crystal Bernard, um, oh, yeah. Ted McGinley. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is we've got a lot of these OG core characters leaving. Ron Howard's leaving, Anson Williams leaving, Donnie Most is leaving, and they need to bring other people on. Now Fonzie's sort of the central character, and Joni and Chachi's mm-hmm. relationship was very much centered on in those later year, those later years. So they need to bring in kind of then now their gang, right? Um I don't know if you remember the the characters of um Crystal Bernard, and now I'm gonna forget um who she played, but she like moves into the Cunningham house.
1: Yeah. She's um, like cousin Oliver.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think we can all say <clears throat> we all love Jenny Piccolo even before she was a character on mm-hmm. the show. When she was just sure. a name.
1: Yes, absolutely. She was, it's yeah, a great her and name. Joni were always awesome like
2: name. getting into some like scruffle, right? Like yeah. um, okay, and then lastly, I'm I'm just gonna mention, um, Lori Beth Allen was her name before. It was Lori Beth Cunningham. um, And she was played by Linda Goodfriend, who, as Carolyn already mentioned, becomes Richie's steady girlfriend in 1977 and then later his wife. And do you guys remember how they got
0: married? Well, they got married via telephone because he was in Greenland um, and— um, Fonzie was the best man. Well,
2: and he had to stand in for Richie like as proxy. Oh, that's right. Oh,
0: funny. <laughs> that's right.
2: Yeah. And then when she has her baby, when she has little Richie, do you remember who delivered the baby? Because again, oh, Rich, Richie wasn't
1: there. Oh, my God. Did Fonzie, Fonzie delivers deliver little
2: Richie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not
1: okay with any of this. This is all ironically jumping the shark. We'll talk you know about what? That later he put, It's
2: okay, Kristen. He put a piece of notebook paper in between um, <laughs> him and Lori Beth's vagina.
0: <laughs> God. I wasn't getting- <laughs> well, lest we forget, there's one more character. Yeah, I don't know who you oh, must be talking our about. Our friend, the mysterious, elusive Chuck Cunningham, <laughs> everyone's favorite. Yes, mm-hmm. and. He was so popular, um, that character that they actually had to have two different actors play him (laughs) over the twelve episodes he was actually in. So Gavin O'Hurlahy and Randolph Roberts were the two actors that played Chuck, who was Joni and Richie's older brother, who liked basketball, um, was (laughs) rarely home.
1: (laughs) That's That's right. He always
0: has a basketball. After season two is when he just disappeared into the ether. He just goes up the stairs. We never hear about him again. Um, f- I, we think fans believe that he must have gone off to college. Um, but interestingly enough, at the end of season 11, Howard is talking about his kids and he says how proud he is of his two children. So it's like, oh, Chuck never just even him. totally wow. yes, t- existed. Let's
1: pause here for a word from our sponsor. That's us, because the Pop Culture Preservation Society is a completely independent and self-sustained project. We not only created this podcast, we also produce it and finance it ourselves. That means we depend on you, our listeners, to help us cover our costs and grow our listening audience. Without your contributions, we quite literally could not exist. We really would disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly, on a routine expedition. You're the gas in our tank, the wind beneath our wings. You're like Christy McNichol doing the obstacle course on Battle of the Network Stars, carrying her team to victory. That's you! You can become a supporter of the PCPS at patreon.com. P-a-t-r-e-o-n.com. Go to the website and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society, or look for the Patreon link in our Linktree on Instagram. If you support the PCPS at the superstar level, just $5 a month, you'll get fun, printable art every month to perk up your office. Join at the solid gold level for bonus content and outtakes from our episodes. And for $19.76 a month, you can achieve Bicentennial status, which includes everything you see here plus live virtual events with your favorite podcast hosts. That's us, I hope. Book clubs, happy hour chats, pop culture, bingo games, and maybe even some surprise guests one of these days. And as always, if you're not able to help out at this time, the most valuable thing you can do for us is listen and tell a friend. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so like Michelle said, Gary Marshall's original attempt at nostalgia was not very well received. The first season got very low ratings. It was on the verge of being canceled. Um, remember how we said the first season kind of felt funny. It was quieter. There was no, no, maybe there was a laugh track. It just wasn't the studio audience. Um, and so, like we said, Gary Marshall changed gears. He turned the second season into a colossal hit. The show went from a very quiet and charming, um, story to a loud, gimmicky, family-friendly fun time. It was totally different, Um, and he made the quiet cautionary tale, aka Fonzie, into a major player instead of a side character. And then they booted Chuck. Chuck. Um, The show became more about getting a laugh than it was really about telling an intricate, nostalgia-laced story, which was Gary Marshall's intention. So when they make this shift, the critics thought the producers were selling out by dumbing down the comedy, and they got panned. But who cares? Because the fans disagreed, and it zoomed to the top of the ratings and became the number one show, like Michelle said, on TV starting in the 1976-77 season. And as a result, Fonzie became one of the most merchandised characters of the 1970s. There are some who have called him a lunchbox icon. Which Whoa. I love. I'm it's looking for lunchbox that lunchbox, by the way. Icon. Mm-hmm. So the show in general, all of the characters spawned just a truckload of merch, which was sort of how we children of the 70s expressed ourselves with the stuff mm-hmm. that we had, right? So in addition to lunchboxes, there were posters, action figures, a board game, bedding, and pillowcases. Pillowcases were big in the 70s. That's how we oh, learned yeah. to kiss, right? Wait, and our um, our – our society
2: member Erica has that, that Fonzie right. pillowcase with her name. Her mom embroidered her name on it, and she still has it to this day.
1: I didn't know it was embroidered that. Yeah, is it says adorable. Erica on it. Um and Erica, we're gonna Fonzie. post that picture this
2: week. And um, I think we yeah. posted it before, but it deserves a second,
0: a second Definitely. look.
1: Definitely. There were also trading cards, which we have thanks to a nostalgia-loving friend, which also came with a really cool sticker to put on your school folder. There was a limited edition. Um, there were limited edition glasses that were produced by Dr. Pepper, which I'm sure somebody still has those out there and they're oh, going to get yeah. a pretty penny on eBay. So, by the way, if any of you society members have any of these items, please send us pictures. We want to see what you've got. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of you have the lunchbox. Oh, and sure. we'll share them in our
0: stories yes. too. Yeah. And then well, I, you have guys... the, I have the Richie doll that looks a lot like G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. It, you do. with <laughs> the brown hair.
3: Yeah, yes, yeah and so I have the Chachi G.I. doll G.I. that
2: I just got for Christmas this year that does not look like Chachi except for the bandana around his They just um, took G.I. Joe and
1: they yeah. recycled him. They put a bandana around his leg and now he's Chachi, right? Okay, so in addition to all of that merch that I just mentioned, there is also this album that I recently found at a record store and I had to have it. So this album is called Fonzie Favorites and oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> it's not songs by Fonzie, it's songs that Fonzie would like, were he to listen to songs. His playlist. Can we we also just say, that is one of the cutest
2: pictures of Henry Winkler, Fonzie, I've ever seen.
1: It's just his face. There's no text on the cover of the album, and I'll tell you why. We'll get there in a second. It is an adorable picture of just Fonzie's face. No words whatsoever. So here are the songs that Fonzie would like, were he to listen to some music. Splish Splash, Barbara Ann, Rock Around the Clock, Great Balls of Fire, and there are a couple of originals, the Fonzarelli Slide and the Fonz song, both of which are unlistenable. Absolutely. (laughs) Like fingernails on a chalkboard. And the last song is called, and I can't, I'm not making this up. It's called, A Cool Nerd Sit On It. Oh. And (laughs) it's supposed to be. An impressionist track to help you learn how to say Fonzie's oh my catch-all words. It's just those words over and over again. It's like some music underneath and some guy going, Hey, cool, nerd, sit on it. Hey, cool, nerd, sit on it over and over again. But you guys, it's not even Henry Winkler's voice. It's Ugh. like some random dude. Okay, so I talked about the the album cover being this adorable picture of Fonzie. He is large and in charge, and there's nothing <laughs> on that album to mar his face because if you flip the album over on the back, you can there's a little flap that you can fold back and it serves as a little stand yes. so you can put your album cover like a little piece of art on your mantle what a Climber clever idea i, I hope know. next time i'm at your house that better be on your mantle oh hell yeah <laughs> so there was a lot of merch there was a lot and yeah. it was very lucrative their faces were everywhere there's a lot of stuff out there yeah they couldn't keep track yeah. there's no way for them to keep track
0: So Kristen, beyond some of those really cool things you just shared, I too discovered some fun facts about Happy Days. I am going to put those over on Patreon. So if you are a patron, be sure and head over to our Patreon page and you'll find out all of the things that I discovered that I thought were pretty cool. I'll sprinkle some more fun facts in a little bit, but um, I did want to tell you about some of the guest stars who appeared. Now, as Michelle said before, there were lots, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but these were some that stood out to me. So we had Cheryl Ladd, Tony Randall, Maureen McCormick, and Christopher Knight, not in the same That's episode, so but we had two Brady Bunch tie-ins: Morgan Fairchild, Linda Pearl, Hank Aaron as himself, June Lockhart, Danny Thomas, Charlene Tilton, Tom Hanks, and how could we ever forget Robin Williams? Yeah,
1: uh, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. So there were Robin Williams, obviously, went from one episode of Happy Days to getting his own show, Mork and Mindy. So in its 11 seasons on the air, Happy Days became the second longest-running sitcom in ABC's history behind Ozzy and Harriet. And it also gave us seven spinoffs. Mork and seven. Mindy is probably the one. Yes, yeah, seven That's crazy. Spin-offs. Morgan Mindy I think is the least likely and the most memorable and mm-hmm. most successful of them all. How it is that Robin Williams shows up as an as an alien and sits on his head and then they become a series? I don't know. We do know that he um that he basically blew people away like they they, mm-hmm. they had no control over him whatsoever and he was just like this magic that alighted on the set and they just let him do whatever he wanted even though it made no sense it made no sense they're like give that man a show okay so among the seven spinoffs we have Morgan and Mindy of course Laverne and Shirley which mm. became the number one show after Happy Days um, then we have a show called Blansky's Beauties which we're going to talk mm. about next week Morgan Mindy a show called Out of the Blue which I didn't remember until I read the write-up for the pilot. Listen to this. Out of the blue, nineteen seventy-nine. A not so perfect angel named Random must prove his heavenly powers to a brood of newly orphaned children by conjuring up a visit from the unpredictable Mork from Ork starring Clark Brandon and Olivia Barish.
0: Uh, Clark Brandon? No Clark, I love Clark him. Brandon. Yeah,
1: you know. Yes, he's from the Fitzpatricks. I, yes. I'm all like, in my head, I'm like, he's from Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> right. And you, you wonder, like, why was he in Tiger Beat? Because he, yeah. he never, he was in a bunch of things, but we just didn't know who he was or, right. He couldn't yeah. land. Because yeah. he was on all these shows that
0: got canned. It lasted one season, <laughs> so that's, that's out right. of
1: the blue. Um, and then there were a couple of spin-off pilots that did not, that got filmed, but never made it to the air, including the Ralph and Potsy show. As well as the Pinky Tuscadero show. Never made it to the air. But I'm leaving out one very important one, Michelle. Which Mm -hmm. one
2: is that? Well, that would be my um, favorite television show of all time. Joni loves Chachi. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) However, for those 17 (laughs) episodes, those 17 big episodes, I was glued to my TV. So um, as I told you before, Joni and um, Chachi leave to try to go make it as – vocalist in Chicago, but it's the theme song to Joni Loves Chachi that will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, I don't know if you guys remember it. It goes a little something like this. Um, and this is literally how Scott Bayo sings it. So, so he's starting and it's just spotlight on Scott Bayo, and he's just done, done, done at the piano, done, done. And then he just starts, something magic in the way. You hold me in your eyes, (laughs) and then, and then here comes Joni, and she's like, "No No one one ever
3: warned warned me love just takes you by surprise. I don't know what's come over me. You got me hypnotized when you look at me."
2: What's interesting about that theme song? (laughs) I'll have you know. I can sing the whole thing, but I'm, I'm not and going to. And I just to. have yeah. to say,
1: when you do Chachi, when she's singing the Chachi part, her face just kind of goes dead.
2: <laughs> you go slack. <laughs> yeah. You know what we could do, if you like? I can record myself singing the entire theme song with both parts and trumpets as well, and we can put it on Patreon. So- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait. We don't want to lose patrons. <laughs> <Never Right. lose laughs> mind. <time. laughs> Oops. This is a good thing, everyone.
0: So glad it brought you some joy in the oh. early 80s. It was, was everything
2: not- to me. And it doesn't make me sad at all that I can't still have that today. Like I can't still crush on Scott Bayo today. That doesn't make me sad at all because I will be honest with you. Once 1984 came along, I was done with Chachi Arcola. I was done with Scott Bayo.
1: Simon LeBon had come yeah. into my radar and man was he was town. a British mm-hmm. man. Yep. And so I was done. Um, and there – so Happy Days left quite a legacy in addition to Chachi. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: in addition to Michelle, how Michelle In feels. addition to Chachi <laughs> – and all of these spin-offs. Happy Days also left us with the phrase jump the shark. And this comes from an episode in season 5 in which Fonzie literally jumps a shark on water skis. I don't have to tell you what happened. You were all there. You all you were all talking about it at school the next day. But the phrase has come to mean when a show does something crazy, in a desperate grab to stay relevant, possibly because it's on its last legs and it needs to get some eyeballs. Like when the Brady suddenly adopt Cousin Oliver because, you know, six kids weren't enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's juice the ratings by getting another one and let's make him look like a tiny John Denver. That will certainly make everybody watch the Brady Bunch again. Paul Williams. Right. Okay, totally. <laughs> So the idea for the scene actually came from Henry Winkler himself. I was certain that this was something that some writer, like the writers were panicking, like, what are we going to do? How about water skiing? No, this came from Henry Winkler, who was an avid water skier. And his dad, Henry Winkler's dad, kept badgering him to tell the producers he could water ski. <laughs> Why? Why? Why Henry Winkler? I don't understand Henry Winkler's dad. Why was this important to you that the producers know that he could water ski? It feels like, you know, dance for grandma, dance for grandma. <laughs> but nonetheless, he he said yes. He was like, fine, dad, I'll tell him I can water ski. So this was their Brady's go to Hawaii moment because everybody, the whole cast goes to Hollywood Mm -hmm. On vacation. Mm -hmm. This is such a 70s sitcom improbability. We don't pack up the whole neighborhood and go on vacation. But you know, in 70s sitcoms you do. The thing that I remember most about this episode is Fonzie is wearing shorts. Right. (laughs) And he's wearing shorts with a leather jacket. In his leather jacket, yeah. Yeah, in his leather jacket. And so he's water skiing in a leather jacket. And he has a little life preserver belt around. Well, he couldn't wear
2: the orange jacket. No, no, no. You know,
1: back then, the life life preservers were
2: those orange things that go around your neck. Around your neck. He couldn't do that. It'd cover up his leather jacket. Right.
1: Um, It it was just, all of it was just too much. It was too much. Henry Winkler did all of that skiing, by the way, except for the actual jumping part, because he was like, I couldn't jump. I could just ski, but I couldn't jump. (laughs) Um, So it doesn't matter how ridiculous it was, because... 30 million people watched Fonzie jump the shark that night. And Henry Winkler has pointed out and when people ask him about this, you know, they rib him a little bit about jumping the shark and he's responsible for jumping the shark. This was not a grab for relevance because they were number one. And they continued to be number one for like five years after that. They were not needing any more relevance. So how that became a term for, you know, a desperate grab for relevance, I'm not exactly sure. And... Fun fact, if you watch episode 13 in the second season of Arrested Development, Henry Winkler is the inept attorney, Barry Zuckerkorn, jumps over a little shark. <laughs> oh. Does he really? He does. It's super funny. He's like, boop, oh, just jumped over a shark.
0: <laughs> but I want to continue on some fun facts um, yeah. to pass along to you guys. So thank you for those, Kristen. Um A few other ones that you guys might not know, although if you listen to episode 56 of our podcast, Living in a Dream Home, you may remember that the Cunninghams house was not in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but actually in Los Angeles, just a few blocks away from the Paramount lot where Happy Days was filmed. So, um, And what I've heard, too, is all the houses on this block are very... um, kind of mediterranean and spanish styled and then that house just stuck out as this kind of all american almost colonial looking house and um i think gary marshall saw it and thought that's the house Mm -hmm. um originally happy days was filmed with a single camera which i think is kind of what we talked about earlier um but from season three on it was a multi-camera show and that's when we started to see the um the live studio audience
1: that's when it feels different
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also looks different because Mm -hmm. if you look closely at the set in seasons one and two, it's almost flipped. So the front door is on the opposite side of where the front door is from season three on. So it's on the um, left hand side instead Mm -hmm. of the right hand side. Um, And stairs and all that the same. And that was in order to fit all the cameras in as well as um, seats for the live studio audience. Hmm and Williams sang many of the songs that were played on that jukebox at Arnold's and Als oh. so um yes I didn't know that as well but I learned that
1: and this were the original one- songs or like he sang covers they would
0: have been covers the covers
1: yeah oh, I feel like did. the only song he ever sang
2: was you're 16. you are beautiful yeah and you're he sang mine. Oh, oh, that and one is, too
3: put your, put your head on my shoulder. to that you
2: love me too. Oh yes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sing that that's my
3: favorite time. episode. That's the
0: one
1: yes. where Joni falls the... in
2: love with him. Oh, was that's was my about favorite. To say, I love that yeah. episode when Joni falls that's in my, love with him. That's my if we
0: talk about our favorites, that's my favorite one. No, I think they were covers. I don't think we were supposed to know it was um Potsy singing them. It was just like kind of oh. the background music. Oh. At least that's what I read on somewhere. I could be wrong. Um this is perhaps one of my favorite little facts I learned. So, Jerry Paris. Does anyone know who Jerry Paris is? Oh, I'm raising my hand. Of course, Kristen does. Of course me. I okay. do. Who is Jerry Paris, Kristen? Who Jerry play? Paris
1: is Jerry Helper on the Dick and Dyke show. He's right. Rob Petrie's neighbor.
0: Oh. He is Rob Petrie's mm-hmm. neighbor. And he is also the director of the majority of the Happy Days episodes. So wow. he, um, yeah, so he was, and he also has some cameos that we'll talk about later that he pops in every once in a while. And
1: they, every once in a while, um, Marion and Howard will refer to the helpers. They play bridge with the helpers.
0: I did not know that. That's mm-hmm. funny. Yep, fun fact. I love all that stuff. Isn't that mm-hmm. funny? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so those were um, several other fun facts that I uncovered in my rabbit hole dig.
2: I love that. So in 1983, the ratings had dropped, and the series had just wound down and grown out naturally, as most series do by about year eight and nine. Um, and for all intents and purposes, the two-part episode called Passages was to be the end of the series, um, the final memorable scene with Howard breaking the fourth wall and toasting not just the guests at Joni and Chachi's wedding, but the TV viewing audience um, as well with...
3: Well... What can I say? Both of our children are married now, and they're starting out to build lives of their own. And I guess when you reach a milestone like this, you have to reflect back on on what you've done and on what you've accomplished. Marion and I have not climbed Mount Everest or written a great American novel. But we've had the joy of raising two wonderful kids. And watching them and their friends grow up into loving adults. And now, we're going to have the pleasure of watching them pass that love on to their children. And I guess no man or woman could ask for anything more. Thank you all for being part of our family to happy days.
0: <laughs> that's what, that's when I lost it. That's when I lost it. That was, it was, that like, was so, goodbye. it was powerful.
2: Um, but that was not actually the end because earlier in 1984, the show had been bumped due to, uh, the winter Olympics. And there were still four episodes in the can that hadn't been aired in winter. So instead of just adding them back in in March or whenever and just pushing the series finale, they cut them, like just got rid of them, aired the finale as planned in the spring, and then added three of those four episodes back in June and July. So they're all out of order. And the actual final episode of Happy Days is one called Fonzie Spots, which was randomly aired in September of 1984. (laughs) And has no closure whatsoever. Regardless, most people, me included, consider Joni and Chachi's wedding and Howard's final touching toast to be the true perfect ending to happy days. And my child. (laughs) Like I've said, um, my favorite episode um, for sure would be Joni and Chachi's wedding just because um, basically it's just Chachi's wedding. (laughs) It's Chachi and Michelle's wedding. (laughs) Um, Do you guys oh, you got what, me with that one? <laughs> what are some that really stand out to you?
0: Well, I loved what we referred to just a few minutes ago um, the episode where Potsy sings, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, and Joni officially just falls in love with him. So cute. And oh, it is so cute. But the <laughs> best part. Well, because I was like you, uh, Michelle, I kind of had a crush on Potsy as well. And I always mm-hmm. felt kind of sorry for him that they were always making fun of him. I always mm-hmm. have a little empathy for those characters. But in this one, he's kind of the cool dude. And at the end, when he has to kind of tell Joni that, you know, it's not going to work right now. And in a few years, he said, like, you know, I won't be that exciting to you, I promise. And he's so sincere. Mm-hmm. It just, oh, it's like he was talking to me or something. And I just, I loved it. I loved that episode. I loved his sincerity. And really, there weren't a whole lot of episodes where he was kind of more of the star or, you know, the focus was on him. So I think that's maybe another reason that it stuck out. If they had
1: done that more, Carolyn, if they had given him those kinds of storylines, he could have been a little bit more David Cassidy-ish. But instead they made him the dim-witted guy. I, I know.
2: Except I for he was like a 50s square. He was never going <clears throat> yeah. to be David Cassidy no matter no, how never. great his voice might have been because David Cassidy got to dress in the bell bottoms with the feathered Absolutely. hair and the puka shells right. around his neck yes. and the really cool flowy tops. Um, Potsy couldn't. Potsy was always going to be stuck in the 50s no matter mm-hmm. if it really was 1978. So he was always going to have to have that little square like Kindle hair and mm-hmm. the letter sweater. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So he was never going to be David Cassidy. No, that was just, sorry,
1: Patsy. Yeah. Sorry, ever, Potsy. but we did love you. Yes. Um, so for me, I I have two favorites. One is a close runner-up. My runner-up favorite is when Leather Tuscadero comes to town and Joni wants to run away and be one of the Swedes because, <laughs> remember, it was Leather and the Swedes. <laughs> leather Tuscadero is play, played by Susie Quatro, who, by the way, was an actual <laughs> recording artist, but I didn't know. I had no idea. I remembered when she had a hit after her happy yeah. days, appearance with stumbling in stumbling in is that what it is i was getting it mixed up with i'll tumble for you but that's not (laughs) i think it's stumbling (laughs) in um so Joni wants to run away and be one of the swedes but of course howard and marion say no and the last scene is so sad when leather leaves and Joni goes up on stage and she does her backup singer choreography in slow motion she goes whoa (laughs) Bop, whoa, bop, bop, <laughs> And it's just so sad because leather's gone. <laughs> and so my number one, most favorite happy days episode, no big surprise here, is Fonzie Loves Pinky. <laughs> And I'm not going to say another word about it because that is next week's episode. Thank you so much for rocking around the clock with us today. And we will see you next week when we will be dressed all in pink for a recap of the most famous Happy Days episode of them all, Fonzie Loves Pinky.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Well, if you want to get fun extras and links to things we mention in our episodes or just things the three of us are loving right now, make sure to subscribe to our weekly reader. It's delivered each Friday morning into your inbox. Just check these show notes, go to our website, poppreservationists.com, or click the Linktree link in our bio on Instagram. And if you're a new listener, welcome! We have over 75 fun conversations, just like this one, for you to listen to. So go check them out.
2: That's so lucky. I kind of wish I still had 75 episodes to still listen to. (laughs) Um, and to all of you who do listen and even better share our podcast, we really want to say thank you. The ratings, the reviews, the kind emails and DMs we get telling us how a certain conversation touched you or just made you laugh until you peed a little bit. That all means the world to us, and it's really why we keep doing what we do. And another huge reason we are able to keep doing what we do is Because of the support we get from our Patreon members, the PCPS would quite honestly not be possible without them. And if you want to check out our Patreon page and all the fun and exclusive content our patrons get as a thank you, just go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, and just... Type our name up in the search bubble, um, or you'll find links in our um, social media bios um, or right in these show notes. And today, we are giving a special shout-out to patrons Jennifer, Erica, Lisa, Natalie, Nina, and Debbie. You
1: guys are the best. Thank you so much. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Threes Company, to Good Times, to Happy Days,
0: to Little House on the Prairie.